Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hi, guys. It's America and Teresa. We're back for another session of In the Open. And we have a special guest with us today. His name is Kevin. Um, I'm going to give him a chance to introduce himself, tell you a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. But the main purpose today is to dig deep into understanding depression in men. So Kevin, say hello. Hello. How are you all? So my name is Kevin Selden. I am a dad to a wonderful almost three-year-old. I called him two and a half and he got very mad. He said, almost three. So we're going with that. Very important. And a husband and uh, and I host a podcast myself called Dad I'd Like to Friend, the DILF podcast. And um, that's how we actually discovered each other. We are a parenting podcast that doesn't give parenting advice. We really focus on the mental health of parents, letting parents know that you're more than just a parent and kind of letting, uh, we talk to a lot of dads and let let them know that communication is crucial and and we have vulnerable conversations to allow um, all parents to know that they're they're not alone and oftentimes to let moms know that dads are dealing with quite similar things if we just open up the communication I feel like the universe sends me signals through our podcast I feel the same and way. I love my husband and he I don't know if this was like the point, but I'm like, oh my gosh, we're talking about depression in men. And because my husband has been so hardcore strong and like I lean on him so hard. Um, But lately, you know, I can tell he needs support and I'm like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, how do I be that support for him? You know, and like, how would I even know if he was struggling with depression? And even though we have like a culture of this in our our house, like I can tell it's different. It's yeah. a different. I could not agree feels. more. That is, and that is such a that I dealt with that in such a major way. My wife was like, "You're always so strong." I had no idea. So my wife and I often take um, gender role swaps, and she is a spectacular human being who um, was raised in a very conservative Minnesota family. And when the topic comes up of feelings, she she kind of innately goes, um, "No, let's not do that." You know, like, yeah. like push down. So I spend a lot of our our relationship kind of getting her to open up and getting her to express her feelings and making her feel safe. Well, in doing that, my feelings went on the back burner, hardcore. And I know that's not always a traditional model for men and women, but for us, it very much, although it came about in an untraditional way, I think a lot of relationships out there lend to the women having an open forum to discuss their feelings and the men being like, uh, mm. be manly. You're not allowed to have feelings. Yeah. Can you tell us just about your mental health journey? Like how did you come to realize you were depressed and what was, what like when you right, hear the right. topic depression in men? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so for me, I think many people are shocked when they hear that I ever struggle with depression. I'm a very um, charismatic, energetic person. Uh, most people in the world ever since I was young want to see that fun side of me. And if ever I'm uh, pensive, I don't know what our audience is, but if I ever get, I have opposite effects of a lot of things. So if when I drink, I get pensive. You know, a lot of people get wild and crazy. So in high school, I would take shots of orange juice and all my friends would, you know, drink. And then the next day they'd be like, Kevin was so crazy last night because I, I would sponge their energy, but the alcohol <laughs> did the opposite for me. 
You know, it sent me in my head. Mm. So I knew that. So for me, I didn't grow up with an insane amount of vices. So many would say, oh, Kevin's healthy, Kevin, you know, and I love, I love talking and I love getting people to open up. But I have dreamed of being a father for as long as I could remember. And uh, I'm, I met my wife and when we decided it was time to start a family, we just could not get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that maybe people out there who are not parents or have no desire to be parents might feel like, Oh, I'm going to turn this off, but hold off for a second because the depression that I fell into, I think is very accessible because for me, I believed that there was a problem and if I could solve it, everything would be better. Mm. Mm -hmm. But what happened was the problem brought out much larger issues in my life. And those issues were always putting on the smile to please everyone else around me. You know, the armor that I put on to make everyone else comfortable. Yep. And I focus so much on being the resource for all my friends to open them up. If there was ever someone with walls, they were my friend who I got their walls down, you know? And, and I had so many friends who kind of looked to me in that way. But in many ways, I was unaware that it was an easy way for me to not have to reveal my my true self to the world. You've hidden your vulnerability by taking care of everybody else. Exactly. And I was I was lucky enough that after college I decided to start my own company. And we had some good success. We had some very pr- high profile clients. Um but I slowly found in my 20s that I needed to fake it. Like the whole fake it till you make it. Like I really needed to fake it. You know, Vanity Fair was one of my clients. I needed to pretend like I was a lot older and a lot more mature, you know, and and really focus on letting everyone know that I was legit. And so in doing that, I created this armor mm-hmm. that I put on and I hid behind my large client names. And it was something where slowly but surely it wasn't about me. It was about the fact that it wasn't Kevin the human. It was Kevin who was successful, Kevin, who was, you know, mm-hmm. wearing these hats. And uh, and it became, the name drops actually became something that I hid behind. And when we struggled to get pregnant, I, I, I think that a lot of reason that my company was so successful was because I'm a very passionate guy and companies like NBC Universal would hire me to inspire them to do cool initiatives, you know, think tanks and brainstorm cool ideas. And that was great. But when we couldn't get pregnant, I lost, I was devoid of any of the passion that made me successful. Mm. And as my career kept taking off and and bigger and bigger things were happening, I was slowly but surely falling apart on the inside. But there wasn't a forum for me to, to speak about it. And as a man, you know, talking about men versus women and depression, I don't, I can't speak for everyone, but I didn't Google it. I didn't know I was depressed. Mm. I just kept going deeper and deeper in my own head. And my wife was already dealing with enough, trying, felt the weight of, are we not getting pregnant because of me? Mm-hmm. You know? And then I was trying to not put the pressure on her, but simultaneously figure out what was wrong. Like, what were what were some of the things that you were feeling, Kevin? Because when, when you describe it, I think it's easy for Teresa and I to understand maybe some of the, the mind tricks that were going on because we experiencing that. But what were you kind of struggling with in that process? I, I was very much going in my own head and, and removing myself from the social situations that gave me life. 
You know, I, I'm an extrovert who sponges the energy of other people. And as I watched all the friends around me get pregnant, all the people who, start, who said my whole life, you would be the best dad started to say, maybe it's not in the cards for you. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of distanced myself slowly but surely from the support network that I had built over the years. Mm-hmm. And through that, I went deeper into that shell of hiding behind my accolades. I appreciate that you're you're focusing on this element that your life can go through a change or a profound change around what you expect. And like when you can't obtain something that you so want so badly, yeah. or you or you sit in that space for a long time, it really can wear you down and become something else like depression. When when you feel like, oh, all I'm doing is like grieving or oh, all I'm doing is like dealing with the fact I don't get what I want, you know, like it wasn't just like, oh, you couldn't have a kid like, okay, well, move on. You know, it's like, no, that's, that's what pouring your identity into something and like wanting something so bad and then not being able to achieve that thing unearths like these big feelings. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is when you don't deal with feelings, they implode inside you. It just gets, they don't go away. It just gets, simmers and gets worse. And, and I feel like for me, what got, what was interesting is, so we couldn't get pregnant. Three years passed. I started to look at other avenues, like to make, you know, it wasn't just, I need a baby. It was like, what can be my, what can I put all my energy into? So I started a secondary career and I started writing and I started having, I was developing a TV show. I got signed by William Morris, like all these really cool things. And I just had no, I was empty inside. You would think these things were so exciting, but my brain was taking me on a journey and my heart wasn't in it. Mm. And it just made me fall deeper and deeper. And when we finally did get pregnant, it took five years. I thought, great, it's all done now. Mm. I'm better. But the re- but the thing about depression is I never talked about my feelings with anyone. So we finally got pregnant and it, it was a difficult birth and the world isn't the most welcoming to, to men throughout the pregnancy process, you know? And no one asked me about my feelings or my struggles. And I didn't think it was right for them to because I didn't think I was justified because my wife was the one that was carrying the baby Mm. and I wanted to know how my baby was feeling. And then it was a difficult birth. My wife's a diabetic and she was high risk. And so we wanted to know how, how was the baby? How was my wife doing? You know, so all those feelings as if the other stuff I was dealing with wasn't already intense enough, it just compounded on itself. And when the baby came out, I couldn't get him to calm down. This baby I had dreamed of for so long, I couldn't find a connection. And then I thought, well, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. I thought I wanted this baby for so long. I'm not allowed to complain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I complain when I wanted this thing for so long? And then my wife, who was always like, you're going to have immediate connection. I'm worried that we're not, you know, I'm not the most emotional. And sure enough, they clicked like nothing. Yeah. And I, it took me an hour to calm him down. It took her one minute. I, one time I, I rocked him on a ball for an hour saying, you're safe, you're safe. As he screamed in my ear. Yeah. And I just remember like having one night where I was like, I can't. And I gave my wife the baby and I walked out and I was like, I went for a walk and I thought, how am I that guy? Yeah. I've never, what in the world? Like, I've never thought I would be that guy. I'm the most patient person, but all my emotions just imploded on themselves and not talking about it with anyone just made it worse. Yeah. It just made everything worse. And so we were both home from maternity and paternity leave. And when the baby turned three months, I decided I was going to 
take a year off work and stay with my kid for the first year of his life and become a stay-at-home dad. And my wife was like, uh, you built a company. You have all these things going on. And I was like, everyone's going to have to wait. Sorry. Like I told my clients, I told everyone. And it was a shocking thing and it just destroyed our savings. And <laughs> it was a really hard decision, but it was like, I need to heal so I could be the dad that I've always wanted to be, the, the man I've always dreamed of being. So I took a year and it was incredible and reinvigorating and lonely and exhausting. And it was not welcoming. And that's why I decided to create a podcast to kind of talk to other parents and see, am I alone in this? And that communication actually brought me back to life, you know, yeah. having a forum to talk with other parents to be like, oh, th th everyone's going through this. This is something that's very relatable. Oh, gosh, shoot. I have so many thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one thing is around, um, it, this is probably going to bite me in the butt, but, and I, cause I can't have pets. And Bring we did it. this episode on pets and like mental health and like how pets reflect all your energy. <laughs> and like, yeah. Because I feel like when you talked about like, ro like rocking your kid and it's just like, picking up on your energy <laughs> like yes, my son yes. is absorbing my energy and he they reflect back all your crap and this is why like absolutely you're just like oh my god i can't have a relationship with this being because this being is just throwing all my mental health problems <laughs> back at my face it's so true and that that's ironic that is literally why i started the first season of the podcast we were just talking with other parents really about like our dads feeling lonely dads building a support network for dads that it that involved moms letting moms know that dads were in this too you know but the second season the reason it took me kind of six months between the two seasons was because i realized that i was still going through depression and i needed to heal and really take on the fact that I was going to pass on this stuff without verbally, without knowing it to my son. And that every time he gave me back a certain energy, it was because of what I was giving out. Mm -hmm. And for me, luckily by that point, I was kind of out of a lot of the depression because I, I, I kind of created this formula over the six months. And it was um, acknowledging the fact that I was depressed communicating to others, which I mostly did through the podcast, but it was an incredible forum for me. And a lot of people don't have that forum. So that's why places like Mental Health America are so amazing. But the third piece is the piece that most people miss. And I thought for most of my life, I wrote this article for Huffington Post years ago that was like, how do I get out of my own head? You know, getting present is about action. And I was like so positive that this was the way. You take action and that got, gets you out. And when I fell into this, once I acknowledged that it was depression and I started to talk about it with people, I was like, oh, it's not action because you can cross something off your list and not be engaged at all. It's engagement. And that is, you know, what, what got me out of the depression truly was having my wife go back to work and saying, oh, goodness, like I have to figure out a feeding schedule and a sleeping schedule. Mm -hmm. I need to engage with this kid. You can't just cross that off with a baby. A baby is a human being. And yeah. I would talk to my kid like he couldn't talk back, but I would talk to him like he was a friend. I didn't, you know, daddy's feeling a little sad, but I think that, you know, I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like I didn't obviously like pour into emotions like a therapist, but I mean, like I didn't hide things. We had real we, we had real interactions and I didn't baby talk ever. 
And I felt this bond. And my kid was like this empathetic six-month-year-old who would like give me a hug when I needed it without me asking for a hug. You know what I mean? And it was like, it wasn't like I was walking around depressed. It was like he brought me back to life. I slowly started to smile again and laugh again. And it wasn't like I put this weight on him. All I did was take the responsibility on my shoulders. And by doing that, I was like, oh, I got this. And all of a sudden, my spirits started to lift. But I needed my wife to kind of step away from the picture. And because for her, she was getting overwhelmed, I was depressed and in my own shell. And I think this happens a lot to men where they're like, The women sometimes, I'm speaking generally, but many times moms try and martyr and take care of everything, not realizing that you're actually pushing the the spouse further and further away. Yeah. You know what I mean? By not putting, by not empowering and putting some weight on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes both ways because I then started to do that to my wife. I started to take on so much because it was like I had to prove as the stay-at-home parent that I was worthy, Yeah, you know, that I had Mm -hmm. it covered. And all of a sudden- I was like, that's not how we do it, wife. You know, we do it like this. And she was like, oh, I don't even know how to nap him. I don't know. How. And so it was like, oh, no, I'm doing the thing that I, I don't, that was a problem in the first place. So I had to start to empower her to find her own way, even though I had a way that worked for, for the two of us, you know, to make her feel involved. We need to rename this depression and fathers, which I think we're going to do. Um, because we're really focusing on not just like depression globally, which I think that many men struggle with and they find it very hard to figure out how to talk to people. Right. Like we all do actually, but I don't know if you have anything to say about like what is unique about the men's experience about why like depression in men is so hard for men to talk about. But we we're also really talking about this unique space and time with like depression among parenting and fathering. I, I, I think that's a good choice, but I do have one general thing to say with regards to depression in men in general, whether they're dads or not. And that is, it is something that has evolved through time. It's not on men completely. It's societal that, you know, men are supposed to be the support and men are supposed to be strong and manly and men are supposed to bring home the bacon. I mean, look at the stereotypes that have been stated over the years and all of the obnoxious um, things that, that we say about men. And even the most masculine of men, they're, they're as sensitive as you if you allow them the forum. And most people are just never allowed that space. Everyone has feelings. We just, we go through different struggles through our life and slowly but surely that armor forms on us and all the scars harden. And then we wear that around like a shield, Mm -hmm. but underneath we were all vulnerable children. And it's like, if you just give someone a forum and an opportunity to make them feel safe, that's the biggest thing that people can do for the man in your life is give them a space to feel safe. It's the same thing we do for children. It's safe to express whatever it is they're feeling. And so many times we don't allow that forum. So men don't even know that they're allowed to do it. I was going to say that, Kevin, from what you had shared, um, particularly around how much of the focus when you guys were struggling to get pregnant was, you know, partly on your wife. And then you were just functioning, right? Right. I always Which, talk about- Which, by the way, only made it worse for her. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, I can imagine. And it's like the the connection that exists between- our ability as women to, in many ways, be expressive, 
but not all of us are, you know, it's still hard to put into words, whatever our feelings are. Um, I mean, I struggle with that all the time. You know, my easiest emotion to tap into is anger, not sadness, but all of that, if you dig deeper, is connected to it, right? Oh, absolutely. Anger is the shield we put on because we right. don't want to deal with the vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. We do not want to be seen as weak, unable to do X thing. And part of that experience, I think, resonates in what you've shared, where you were just operating as business as usual because that's what you needed to and, and for the world to just see you as who you were. But internally you were like crumbling, right? right and trying right. to figure out, dude, what's going on with me? Like, why can't I just move on and do all these things? So what what you said about providing the space for men to really get into maybe the habit of being more open about their emotions. I know when I have had conversations with the men in my life, from my fiance to father, brother and all, my father's a very sensitive man, so he can easily be like, these are my feelings, you know? My brother and my fiance, not so much. They're like, what feelings? I'm fine. What well, are we going to talk about that? That is another stereotype that po I can't speak for everyone in America at all, but I would say that that is something that, we, it, that the world is possibly put on to them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They're not expressing it. That doesn't mean they don't have feelings. Right. But we certainly say that trope about so many men and that is just adding to the fact that why would they feel safe you just said they don't have feelings you know what i mean and it's not you it's the entire art entire society says men don't feel Ugh, put on sports you know what i mean and it's just like it's just not we talked about um the lack of support network for men and oftentimes you see someone wearing a, a football jersey of a team you like and you're like hey i i like that team too and it's just one of those things where that's not true connection and I think that um, so many times we we don't allow for that forum and then we just blame the guys. You know, I think that something was brought up earlier where we said, what really makes men and women different? And, and I would say not much, <laughs> but I don't think that men off, if you're depressed, I don't think you sit Googling depression often. I can say as a man, I certainly didn't. And I don't know if women do or not, but I will say I am positive that as a woman, many women have stronger support networks than men. So if a woman is depressed, I will say that a lot of times a friend will say, what are you going through? And that is a forum to communicate. Yeah. And that is just as good as Googling depression, or they mm -hmm. may encourage you to Google depression, or they may Google it for you. But if a man doesn't have a strong support network, that's authentically deep. Yeah. and doesn't have that depth, if it's a more superficial connection, then they're not going to talk about those topics. And the problem with that is if they're not going to Google it themselves because they're too depressed to do that and no one's asking them about their feelings, well, you just created even more walls going deeper in your own head, which is what happened for me. And having the ritual, like if sports becomes a space for men to gather, I know the men in my life who don't like sports it becomes a barrier in and of itself. It's like, oh, it's like, you know how when you meet someone new, you're like, oh, what's your job? Blah, blah, blah. Like there's a men's version of this where you're like, oh, what sports do you watch? And you're like, oh, I don't watch sports. <laughs> like I've talked to the men in my life who don't watch sports and you're like, where do you go to find connection with other men? Like yes. so much has been built around this 
culture around that for men that like I think that men who don't resonate with sports have so much of a harder time finding community. It's true. And and sometimes the men who do resonate with sports are finding connection without the depth, which at the end of the day, it's so nice to have people to hang out with. But what are you talking about in, in truth? And that's not the case for everyone. Absolutely. Like, you know, we we joke that finding for anyone, for men and women, finding friends in adulthood is like the dating game all over. Oh, it's you so know? hard. But with men, oftentimes it's your wife meets someone and then you're friends with the husband. Yeah. But that connection is so crucial. And so how do we create a world where it's easier for men to form connections? And and how do we create a world where spouses, you know, and and co-parenting partners realize that communication between them is as important as communication with their kids because the kids are going to feel all the feelings. So it's so important that you're telling, talking about your feelings or all of a sudden it becomes this passive aggressive relationship where you're passing the kids off between two people that aren't connecting. Yeah. You know? Well, how Kevin, do you do that? No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to I was going to ask cuz when when you're talking about creating connection, right? And I know I think we've done an episode on this in the past where we've talked about connecting with people that you may have a common interest with, right? So like you're talking about the guys that that's wearing the same jersey, right? All right. right. That's that's a first step in any kind of inkling of a connection, right? But then as a man, how do you make something more meaningful out of, of a small tidbit of a connection to then engage in something that's like, you know, in the, in the very simple terms, like, dude, let's be friends, you know? I, I honestly feel, okay, so it's a philosophy that I have found is is the best way to answer that question. And it's, I'm in a room with a bunch of guys. and. I want to form a deeper connection, but we're it's a superficial conversation. Can I just reveal something vulnerable that happened in my day? Like if I could challenge myself to do that, will other people jump on it? Hmm. I would say seven times out of 10, they will. Some I was just dealing with that today. And all of a sudden the floodgates will open. You won't be able to shut anyone up. You know what I mean? I feel like that that's how you do it. You lower your guard. Walk into that environment and for a dad, even in a group of moms, I, I was like, "How these moms do not want to talk to me. I don't know if they think I want to pick up on them or like what. They only want to talk to each other. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a stay-at-home dad that first year of his life, and it's like, how do I break in? I'm in this like class, and they just don't want me here. So I just revealed something I struggled with that day, and all of a sudden, sure enough, one of the moms comes over, you know, and it's like lead with the vulnerability. Yeah. You know, and, and by being that example, you open the gates for others to connect with you. And I, I think that it's the same thing in your co-parenting relationship. After dealing with the depression stuff and realizing and coming out the other end, I needed to acknowledge some things to my wife that I feel like was never acknowledged. Like mm -hmm. me feeling like I was dragging her along on certain things. And, and I, I was consistently asking her about her feelings and she never returned the favor. Mm -hmm. You know, and she was like, you were just so strong. I didn't realize like I continued a lot of responsibilities well being a stay at home dad, even though I stopped working, you know, we were dual income and I was like, you know, taking on responsibilities. And she was like, you just always seem like you had it under control. Hmm. So that was also on me for not revealing that I needed emotional support, that I needed, that I needed help during that year of being a stay at home dad, mm -hmm. because I was trying to prove something to her. 
So it's a it's a double edged sword, but it's I, we couldn't have gotten to that conversation without me acknowledging my feelings and having my partner make me feel heard. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden I felt safe to reveal some things once she acknowledged what I was going through. And we realized the biggest thing for connection for us, honestly, was putting our phones away. We don't allow our phones in the bedroom. We our phones go in the other room, and then in the morning we go and get them. And it's like, how many times do you really, like, you're going to wake, wake, I mean, we also have a landline we put in specifically because in case of emergency, someone can call it. But it was like one of those things where it seems extreme, but for us, it makes a difference. Our bedroom is sacred. We turn off our phones on the weekends, which all our friends are like, you're insane. But we do it because for us, it's like, it's shocking how much we rejuvenate and reconnect as a couple and as a family when there's no phone in there to distract us. And whenever something gets awkward to like, just go and text someone or to um, go on Instagram, you know, it's like, we look at each other and we're like, what can we do right now? Let's make it up. And it's like, we're in seventh grade again. And all of a sudden it's, you know, there's no opportunity but to connect. And I feel like it's just eliminating those obstacles. We did a really cool date night where I'm scared of cooking. You know, my wife is, you know, I try and encourage my wife to do things, but she was like, what, what things can I help you? And I was like, well, I, the one area I don't touch is the kitchen. So we started to do this date night where she would use only words to help me cook the dinner. And I, and she wasn't allowed to touch anything because like her safe place is the kitchen. It's like the one place where the gender roles are completely what the world says. You know, like I handle laundry, I clean so many things. I handle a lot of things with our son, but she owns the kitchen. So it was like, okay, teach me. And so she couldn't, she's very uncomfortable using just her words. She'd rather just do it. Oh. And and it was wonderfully empowering for me, you know, just having her do it. So I know that those are extreme and specific examples, but it's just like finding ways that work for you that are nothing but you and your partner talking or nothing but you and, and your kid or nothing but you and your friend without that other distraction. You talked about the practice of speaking vulnerability. which I think is a practice. If you had to give advice to a listener out there who just struggled with getting the words or finding the way, what would you say to that person? I think that this advice applies to a kid who's having trouble making friends, to uh, someone in their 20s who's trying to find love, to a, a parenting, co-parent, to someone who's trying to find friends or trying to connect with their partner. And it is truly that you will have an emotional hangover. Like it's a, it's called, like I call it a vulnerability hangover. Like it's going to happen. Just like you drink and you have a hangover the next day, expect that there will be a little bit of, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> you know? And sometimes you will feel like an idiot. Sorry, like that goes with the territory. It's going to happen. You're going to be like, oh my God, I was vulnerable. And they totally shut me down. But the times when the other person is vulnerable back and you connect are so worth the vulnerability hangover and the risk of being shut down. It's like, there's this amazing quote that it's like, it's like, what if it doesn't work out? What if, what if I can't connect? Ah, but what if it does? What if it does, you know? And it's just that kind of energy of it. You may fall on your face a few times, but when it does work, it will be well worth any energy you ever put out in your life because you don't need to fall in love 70 times. You know, if you find the right partner, it's that one time. 
And, and you don't need to have that conversation every day of your life. You don't need to be vulnerable every day of your life. You need to connect. And then sometimes you go, you have that service conversation with that connection underneath, and then the door is open to connect again. It's just about connection. So you have to be willing to open yourself up and not wait for other people to do it. Mm-hmm. You're talking about so many things that Teresa and I have explored in different ways where Teresa in the past has talked about how like her childhood, she didn't have that many friends, you know, and, and now like, I think I'm her friend, right, Teresa, I'm your friend. Um, and <laughs> well, and there you go. I know they can't see her face, but that face is immediately, there's a vulnerability hangover just now from America being like, wait, are we? <laughs> and I'm We're like, friends, eh. right, Teresa? am I? Maybe. I don't have no friends. No. <laughs> but also like how, how intimate it is to be able to really connect with someone and how meaningful it is. Oh yeah. Because you feel heard, right? And you feel acknowledged in in your experience. What I was thinking about when you were talking is like, my fiance, he does have a lot of feelings. I know he does. But what's very different in our relationship is that I am one to seek out immediate information, immediate resolution, where he's like, I have to think on this. I'll be back in a couple of days to talk about it. Where I'm like, no, we must confront this now. Deal oh with God. it. That is literally my wife and I. She will always be like, I need, I, we're, we have this deep conversation. I, I, I confront her about something and she's like, I need the night. And I was like, do you really? Because <laughs> I'm there right now. Do you really need the full night? Sometimes I can expedite it, but sometimes I just have to realize that it is a practice. Some people are, you know, with absolutely anything we do in life, you know, you're not going to just start something new and be amazing at it. It's very rare. Right. So yeah. why wouldn't vulnerability be the same? You're gonna, it's not the easiest thing. You're gonna stumble a few times. And you have to allow other people to get over those hurdles and be patient with them. You yeah. know, it's so much easier to shut people down. It's so much easier to not reciprocate. And it's also very lonely. And it's also not very fulfilling. Yeah. I respect the fact that you that you share so much and are so open about your experience because I think that's very important, especially for folks who who find us and really find that maybe they don't have a space where they're connecting with other men, right? Because women do talk a lot more. We talk a lot more. We're more willing to kind of go into these vulnerable areas. Maybe not with everybody, but we have maybe a few dedicated folks. And you know, I something happened with my wife the other day. Someone was gossiping to her and I was like, and I was there and I said, God, she's quite gossipy. Like, is she going to gossip about us when we walk away? And my wife said, well, you know, they don't do it in front of you that often. She's obviously comfortable with you, but women tend to gossip a lot. And, and when I heard that, I just thought to myself, like, you know, women talk to each other a lot and you, and they get, there's a sense of this support network. But sometimes I wonder if there's not if even though women seem to have more of a support network, if there's the true connection needed, just like what men struggle with, like there's a lot of talking, but is there as much connection? And I feel like maybe that's what's missing in the entire world right now with the Instagrams and the like so many people talking, but not truly connecting. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe yeah. part of this is, is saying just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're safe from this. Yeah. Like totally. all of us need to focus on connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
meaningful relationships. No, exactly. No matter gender. So just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't connect with a man. Mm -hmm. It's not sexual. You know what I mean? Just because you're a man, you can connect with a man. A woman, you can be vulnerable. Like this applies to absolutely everyone. Yeah. But okay, I'm talking to you right now and I I don't know either of you very well and I already feel close with you. Like I want to go grab a drink with each of you, you know? And just because you're hearing me. Yeah. You know, and acknowledgement is powerful. Yeah. It is a big first step, like, well, at, right after acknowledgement, which is also a very big step. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like your two next steps were really about building connections, you know? Yeah. But it's it's something that we can talk about, but it takes practice. And we talk to people about, like, of these practices. And what I like is that you also were, like, acknowledging that it's going to feel very awkward because it mm. does to feel vulnerable is awkward because we feel so much shame about our expectations that you, you've not acknowledged come from society and come from ourselves in this weird space. And it, it takes a lot of years and practice to undo these things and to find your place in the world and to find meaningful relationships. This is where you're right, that women and men are the same. We all want this deeper relationship with other human beings. And right. I always say I worry about the people who feel lonely and who are in fact like really isolated and and are in fact alone because that's a hard place to be, you know, to dig yourself out of that hole where you've isolated so much that you are you've become alone. Mm-hmm. But I love that you're showing people that any one person, like we all are all in this space where we can ebb and flow in and out of that. Like you had periods where you felt very lonely and isolated and now you're out on the other side, you know, right. like feeling better and feeling connected and, and feeling hopeful. And so we've kind of showed that journey. And and you know, what's very interesting. I have found, and I, I believe that nine out of 10 people will feel this way. The thoughts that are in your head are really not that crazy once they come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, very rarely is there no one else on the planet who's feeling something similar. But the more you keep it in your head, the more it multiplies and it and it implodes on itself and it feels worse and worse and worse. And the second you let it out, it's like it's like an exhale that it almost evaporates in many ways. That's why people go to therapy. It's not that the therapists have all the answers. A lot of times it's just a forum to speak. And you don't have to – there's nothing wrong with therapy, please. Like I encourage people. But it's also just about finding opportunities to connect and have relationships where you can talk to others and not talk surface gossip yeah. and not just talk to feel your, to be heard, but actually speak what's actually going on in your heart. Yeah. When you say a weird thought and and yeah, people don't immediately immediately act with repulsion. <laughs> you be that's why I relief. You're like, oh, okay, it's good. Yeah. And sometimes they'll be like, I don't relate to that. And you're like, and you go in your shell, right? Yeah. And then they go, but I did feel this way. And you're like, you know what? That's not the same thing, but yeah, that it. is just as that's just as crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And like you slowly but surely, your guards down, their guards down, and you're shocked at see what could where it can lead. Yeah, you know, totally. That's really part of the process, I think, and everything that it takes to really feel connected to somebody. Um, and I think that's that's why um, I think Teresa and I vibe off each other so well because yeah. I don't always know where she's coming from, you know, and she surprises me with things. But then the same way, where, 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 you know, with me and her, where 
I'm like, she's like, no, no, don't get that. Not getting that and why. But we we love each other to death, you know, and we really explore all these issues because we know we've all struggled with them at one point or another. Yeah, That's exactly. That's the reality. You know, something that I, I realize is when we talk about uh, it being a practice, right? Being vulnerable. It's not just because a lot of people will hear that that's very intimidating. And they're like, now I have to find the people to be vulnerable with. But I think there's a step that's missing. And that is, if you really dissect the acknowledgement part, it's first practicing being vulnerable with yourself. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I was depressed. And I thought that the answer was getting pregnant. But then we got pregnant and I was still depressed. And then I threw everything into it and we had the baby and I was still depressed because I was in my head and not expressing my feelings to anyone. But I didn't even know what to express to anyone until I, until I looked at myself and was vulnerable enough to say, oh, I've been hiding. I've been hiding behind my accolades. You know, that's why it's so dangerous. All these people, all the life coaches out there who say, you know, you want to make seven figures, you want to be great. And it's like, greatness is not about how much money you make. Greatness is not about, you know, all the the achievements. Greatness is something that comes from the inside. And in order to get it, you have to truly take a moment with yourself. Hmm. You know, take a date night with yourself. There is nothing selfish about saying, I need a night to myself and giving that to your partner. You know what I mean? Because that's how you connect and take a moment to say, I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to turn off the distractions. I'm going to turn off the TV and I'm going to think about how I'm feeling before I express it to anyone else. And then it's like, okay, well, that's your practice with vulnerability that then you can practice more by expressing it to another human. But it's like, it's layers of practice that you can start on your own by just kind of dissecting what you're feeling. And it's not going to be easy because nothing is easy when you first start, but it's the baby step to getting to the other side. Lovely. Any final thoughts, Kevin? My final thought is know that no matter what you're feeling right now, you're not alone. I guarantee you there's someone on the planet that's feeling it too, probably a lot more than you realize. Mm -hmm. And if you are brave enough to... Focus on what those things are that you're feeling. It could be, it could start with a journal, just talking about your feelings, just get through all that crap to figure out the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. And if you can start to even get to a little bit of the root and then get the bravery to mention it to someone else and know that they may not respond immediately and you may not figure out the root immediately, but you don't give up and you just try and find someone else to talk to, and you try and keep pushing, you will get to the other side. But you have to be brave, and you have to you have to be willing to open up to yourself and to those around you. That's wonderful. That is. Kevin, can you tell people um, where they can listen to DILF? Yeah. So Dad I'd Like to Friend uh, is a podcast available absolutely wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Um, Google Podcasts. But if you don't really listen to podcasts, which would be shocking because you're listening to this one. But um, if you're like, I don't know where to find it. I don't know what forum. You can just go to dadidliketofriend.com and it will take you based on your device to whatever platform syncs with your device. So no apostrophe, just dadidliketofriend.com. And you can find us on Instagram at DILF 
podcast and we will um we will just you know hopefully this is an open dialogue and we'll keep finding ways to communicate with each other and mental health america i think is an, an amazing organization and an amazing resource for for our listeners and hopefully there's there's ways we can just keep finding opportunities to collaborate and speak to both our audiences i love it and we'll have you back to explore more topics we would love that thanks kevin thank you we always end with telling people to fight in the open i think that there were a lot of tips in here about that and starting with vulnerability and sharing vulnerability so keep on fighting thanks guys bye